Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for $3.99 a month. With me today, as always on Wednesday, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, ooh, what's up? Hey, Andrew. This might be my flu game, Andrew. <laughs> hey, Al. Don't worry, I'm not actually sick. I don't have the flu, but I did eat spicy Thai food last night, and it is hitting me this second. <laughs> that is why we're starting uh, late. This is why we're starting late. Uh, the uh, I think the Utah Jazz got the equivalent of spicy Thai food last night in the form of Dort. Oh, Lou Dort, what a game, a Dorty 40. We got ourselves a Doherty 40. I was so excited. I, when when he had 38, it was just like, he's got to get 40. Like We just have to make this happen, right? Oh, it just had to happen. It was awesome. In fact, looking ahead for the rest of the season, it'd be fun if each night, to kind of keep us entertained, they just picked a player to try to set their career high in some statistical <laughs> category. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> right. If, no, that would be great. If we were like, hey, Moses, let's see if you could get 30 rebounds. Let's just see if you could do it. Everyone, they, the, tell, they tell all the other players so that they're helping him out. Is there is there someone you'd most like to see? Like just either score well, a lot of points or... I'm just thinking which player would be the most difficult if they said, okay, you specifically, we want to get you 30 30 tonight. points? Who? Yeah, who would be the one where you'd be like, I don't think it's possible? Hmm, let me look at their roster. I mean, honest. Well, at this point, maybe it's only like like back end of the roster guys, like Tony Bradley and Josh Hall. I mean, yeah. Kenrich could get thirty if you if you wanted to. He could get. Svi yes. could get thirty. I I even think Ty Jerome could get thirty. Yes. Tony Bradley? Could you get Tony Bradley? 30. That'd be tough. It'd have to be against a team that maybe like they're starting centers out so he can just dominate. You can just throw it down to him every single time down. He can just get a bunch of dunks. You think he could do it against Washington? And and Rolo? Really You're a bigs. big Rolo fan. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But yes, be. all of that is to say that Dort had a wonderful night <laughs> last night, scoring 42.7 three-pointers, also a career high. Seven. Seven for 11 Seven from three. 11. Unbelievable. And he could have had he more. better from three. Yeah, well, he should have had more. He shot better from three than he did for the free throw line last night. He was three of seven from the free throw line. So that if he had just shot perfect there, that should get you to 46. And then he had two layups, <laughs> at least. I was actually looking mm-hmm. looking at his shot chart is very funny because he missed like four three pointers, but then he also missed like four shots with almost within the restricted area, and oh, yes. one of those was a breakaway 
like layup attempt that he rocketed off the backboard and might not have even hit the rim on the way back. This is so strong. And then there was another one where he was wide open. So we legitimately had a shot at a 50-point game from Lou Dort, which that would have been really crazy. 40 is crazy I, enough. 40 is crazy enough. I I live for a Dort 50-piece. At, at this point, wouldn't you say it's coming? Because he... I mean, he is. I don't think we can say that he's a good shooter, but he is definitely a streaky shooter. And when he's on, yeah. he's going to have these games where he just blows up from three. Ludort scored 42 in a game, <laughs> in a real game. Against a good team and a good defense. Against a good defense. He was, and so the thing about it is, like, guys will get hot and score crazy amount of points. We saw like, Corey Brewer scored 50, right? Yeah. But that's just because he got really hot from three and that's a part of the story with Lou but he was hitting some shots that make you think okay maybe like this is a little bit different he hit this he drove the lane got met by Rudy Gobert in the mid-range most guys would pass out just be done figure out somebody else figure out the possession he basically does this fade away high arcing mid-range shot that goes in right over Rudy Gobert. It's like, okay, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> he, he scored in a variety of ways. Not only did he have 42 points, but he had four steals, three assists, seven boards, and he was guarding Donovan Mitchell and running through screens. I don't understand how he can expend the amount of energy that he does on the defensive end and then still take 31 shots. It really is different. Yeah, and you would hope that on a like playoff Thunder team, they wouldn't be asking that much of him obviously. Like it, it's it's <laughs> fun to You're see right. his offensive development, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like when this team is good, they're really going to need Dort on the defensive end and maybe as a secondary or tertiary creator and scorer mm-hmm. on on the offensive end. So it's fun to see mm-hmm. these blow-up games, but yeah, like going forward, he can't or you think that he can't do this every night. Who knows? Like you said, he has so much energy. And it's not just him. Like When he plays, the team plays differently. Like The team is so much more aggressive and so much more physical when Dort's out there on the court. I mean, there was a noticeable change from these last few weeks when you insert Dort into this lineup. No doubt. They only lost by 10 in Utah. Yeah. They lose by 25 without him. At least. <laughs> I mean, the next highest score was, was 14 points. And he did take 31 shots to get there, which I loved. Like it's, it's what I was disappointed that Poku wasn't playing because Poku has been like one of the only reasons I watch. Right. Yeah. He's been he the could, only reason that a 40. lot of people watch. <laughs> yeah. We could get Poku. 40. He could get 40 uh, shots. Oh, 40 shots. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. That'd be highly entertaining. Uh, but Lou provided something. You're right. He provided a spark uh, on both ends for the team. Still, It was just the perfect game, right, for this time of year? Perfect game. Yeah, it you, was. You get entertainment, you lose the game, and you go to tankathon.com, and you look today, and they're at the sixth spot. Washington has has passed them. So, it's great. And we have Cleveland. They're half a game back of Cleveland 
in the reverse standings, of course. And so five seems possible, right? It seems possible, but after seeing the way this team played last night with Dort, now you start mm-hmm. looking at the schedule coming up and you're like, how many of these games are they going to win? Because the schedule immediate after the Jazz game, it lightens up in terms of the opponents. It doesn't lighten up in terms of the travel schedule. Like, they have to play tonight. They had to fly back to Oklahoma City and play Golden State, who is looking better as of recently. But then they get Detroit, Toronto, Washington, Indiana, Washington. And the good thing, Toronto hasn't looked better. Toronto's been banged up. They lost, gosh, they lost to a Hawks team last night. That didn't have Trey Young. Yeah. So that's uh, that's not good. But Washington has played better lately, at times. Uh-huh. Detroit is a is definitely a try hard team that has played better lately too. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And, uh, but it's, it's, I, I don't know that we're gonna get a Doherty forty every night. We might not. Hopefully, but hopefully we can get a forty from Poku if he comes back. Yes. Does he have a yes, Does he please. have like a significant injury? Or is it more of like a bruise? I don't think so. I honestly, I don't know. Okay. I mean, after Baisley's bout with his fractured scapula, I know we just didn't. We just didn't really know. I called it a contusion. Right? Yeah, I I would definitely tell you, Alex, if I broke my scapula that I did that, and not just say I just got a bruise. Yeah, of course, because <laughs> breaking a scapula seems awful. <laughs> there are very few things that I just don't want to have. I just, I, I don't know, man. Like that is, it's odd, right? It's a little odd. Um, I want to go back. Obviously, Dort had a great game, um, but his yep. his difficulties at the rim did stand out to me last night. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's worth talking about when we're thinking about his offensive development in the future. And so, if people aren't aware, Dort has not been very good at layups this year. Or just mm-hmm. in the restricted area in general. So if you go on to NBA.com on their stats section and you sort just by all the guards in the league, what are they shooting in the restricted area? And I, I set the um, I set a filter for you have to have at least three shots in that area per game in the restricted area. He's one of the worst mm-hmm. in the league. Like he's he's bottom five. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, he's actually down there with some people that you might think would be good. Like Fred Van Vliet is down there. Which I thought was mm. interesting. Fred Van Vliet is shooting like just above fifty percent on those shots. Um, interesting. I've been delaying this whole time because I had to bring it back up on my computer, and I thought I was about to do it perfectly and time it exact, but I didn't. Well, I can tell you, last night he shot better from three than he did in the restricted area. Yeah, he did. Um, he was seven for eleven from three last night, and he was three of nine in the restricted area last night. But one of the things that I noticed, and it was actually on a play that he, he he scored, it was like with five minutes left to go in the game, he got a steal and had a breakaway attempt. He could have dunked it, but he did like a weird, not even like a traditional layup going up on the side one way or the other. He just did like both hands up, and it almost didn't go in. It looked <laughs> dicey, and so that made me think like, yeah. have I seen Dort dunk that much? And so I went on to basketballreference.com. Andrew, how many players on the team do you think have more dunks this season than Lugans Dort? One of the most athletic 12. players on this team. 12? 
It's nine, but he's behind guy. He has he's six dunks on this season. That is he that is, he has less than Sfee, who's only been with the team for thirteen games. Sfee's been a dunking machine. It's just so weird that Dort, who is so athletic, just doesn't dunk. And 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 when you saw it. Um, in that play when he was wide open, there was like a scramble and he suddenly had the ball and was just right under the rim and he missed it because he didn't go up for a dunk. He was trying to do like a layup, a pressured layup and it, and it bounced out. I, I just, it's strange because we call the show down to dunk and then we talk, call it down to Dort. And so I've associated Dort and dunk in my head. Turns out Dort doesn't really dunk. <laughs> Dort, Dort is not down to dunk. He's not down to dunk. Clearly. Is it a problem, Andrew? He's clearly not. Shay has more dunks, and I can't picture a Shay dunk in my head if I tried. Right? Yeah, yeah. Shay has uh, ten dunks, double digits, <laughs> double digit dunks. Yeah, the the dunk rankings: Moses Brown, number one, uh, forty six dunks in twenty four games. That's pretty awesome, actually. Um, Isaiah Roby, which I think is predictable. He's been one of the best dunkers on the team this year. Uh, Baisley has 27 dunks on the season. And then Hami, who's no longer with us, had 19 in that time. And then we've got our lower-level dunkers. So, yeah, that is that is something. It's weird. I don't know what to he, think of he, he it. He can dunk. strange. I mean, obviously, he's done it this year. Yeah, six times. Six times. That's it. It's just like watching but, him in yeah. that game last night, he can get to the rim whenever he wants he can at least get deep mm-hmm. in the paint whenever he wants because he's so strong and he has a lot of burst for a guy his size. And most, if, if you're putting like a smaller guard on him, like he's going to be able to bully him all the way to the rim. And so if he could unlock that, and someone brought it up on Twitter last night that this is kind of what we saw from Russell Westbrook early in his career. If you go back to his stats, in his rookie season, shots in the restricted area, Russ shot like 47%. And then in his second year, he shot about 52%, which is what Dort is shooting this year. And so I do think it's a skill he could develop. And if he mm-hmm. did develop it, like if he just got up to like where Shea is right now, Shea's around like 61%. If he got around mm-hmm. there, like that would significantly unlock his, I mean, he could become like a eight, 17, 18 point per game score if that happened. Yep. Yep. And I think it's certainly possible. He's still extremely young. And guys just usually get better, especially with... And a lot of this is like body control and confidence and timing. And I think that kind of, some of that stuff comes with time. And you know, Lou is 21 years old. He's almost 22. He still has a lot of room for development. And he's... <laughs> I just... I'm still shocked at the development that he's that he's had to this point though. I mean it's it's astonishing. Oh, I was I was thinking like cuz I, I am in agreement. I think we're in agreement that we would like to Dort to be on this team going forward. Like we would like the next good yeah. Thunder team to have Dort on it. But I was just thinking about him as a trade asset and how much he would be worth to a like contending team because not only are you getting a great defender, you're also getting him on a super cheap contract where you don't necessarily have to give up a lot other than picks. And there's no reason in my head why he wouldn't be worth as much as Robert Covington was at last year's 
deadline or whenever that was when he got two first round picks or when Houston got two first round picks for him. I mean, he really is one of the more valuable pieces in the league right now. Again, I don't want them to trade him, but just saying. Yeah, I don't think they should trade him. I I think that he, I don't know what he'll end up being, but just the fact that he can blow up and score like that is is something. Uh, he's not going to do it every night. He may when they are good. He may not do it hardly ever in the playoffs. But if they get he if you get one, I mean we had that one Serge Ibaka. Kendrick Perkins game where they went 11 for 11 from the field. Like won them the game against the Spurs. Like sometimes you just need the one game from somebody. And if, if Shea or whoever we get in this draft or whoever else is on this team and we get into like a first round battle and we get a Dort 25 point game that wins them the game. Like that's a big deal to have a guy that can do that. There was never going to be an Andre Robertson game. There was never <laughs> going to be a Tabo game, right? Man, when when like Robertson was, would have like never gonna when happen. Robertson had like fifteen points, we were like, "Whoa, all right, let's go." I know, <laughs> I know. Did he just take a step forward? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, but there will be Dort games. There will be, and we are, we had one. He almost won Game Seven yeah. for the Thunder. There will be Dort games. And that is exciting. He doesn't have to be a star. However, I would love it if he was. <laughs> but he doesn't have to be one. It'd be really nice to, if he wanted to, Dort, if he wanted to be a star. It'd be great. Lou, don't, Lou, don't hold back. It would be... But man, just to, to know you have a guy that can go get you buckets that is not necessarily the one that's expected to. Because I expect the Thunder to to add another 20-plus point score to this team. Yeah, and and that's one of the other similarities because we've brought up this player comp before with Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart is one of those guys. More think of him as like the heart and soul of the Celtics, which we kind of think of Dort that way for the Thunder. Think of him as a really good defensive player, but also Smart can have those blow-up games where all of a sudden, oh my gosh, Marcus Smart just hit six threes in this game and has like 25 points. So another way in which those two guys are kind of similar. I don't know if he has the kind of creation skills that Marcus Smart has yet. I mean, Marcus Smart was obviously like a really good point guard when he was at OSU. But Mm -hmm. at least at the end of this year, we're going to get to see more of Dort as that primary creator because there's not a lot. I mean, there are just times when it's like when Teo's not out there, like Dort can kind of do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you compare those two. Marcus Smart in year two and Lou Dort in year two. And let me try to find per 36 numbers. Okay. So per thir- per 36, Lou Dort, 15 and a half points per game. Marcus Smart, 12. Yes. Uh, where they do differ, and you're right about this, is through assists. Uh, Marcus Smart per 36 is four assists per game. Lou's two. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the shooting numbers, like lose 38%, almost 39% for the field. That's not great. Marcus Smart, 34. Wow. Uh, Marcus Smart, 25% from three. Lou Dort, 33% from three. Um, this is, to me, this is really, he could be that. Like, he really could be yeah. a Marcus Smart type of player. And one, I think that those type of guys are pretty affordable 
typically. Like def- defensive type of guys are more affordable than guys that'll go get you 30. And he's just kind of the perfect piece. I mean, you watched it last night. The Celtics beat the Blazers in Portland. And Smart is just all over the place. And when you have the two, they have their two scores, right? You have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. It just leaves, basically, all of his energy goes to making winning plays. Right. And that's what he did all night. And I think that's perhaps the evolution of Dort is to use all of his energy on the defensive end to make winning plays and then score in spots and get better as a scorer. Uh, you can see, like that path is there already. You don't even have to imagine it. Like, it is it is set there, and perhaps he can be more because I don't want to limit him. And I know for I know that the Thunder shouldn't limit him, you know either in all of this. Um, and I I would hope that they wouldn't. But I to me I th- I think that you continue on the track that you're on with him, that you push him to be everything he can be. And if he is just Marcus Smart, which I think that you can almost safely say it at this point, that he's going to be that type of player, then wow. (laughs) You got that guy undrafted? You just got to throw that guy on your team? You didn't have to expend any assets to get that guy. Right. That is is something. That would be amazing. Um, he, I mean, he is the player after Shea that you feel most confident about in terms of where they're going to be in five years. Because, I mean, we, we can say that Poku has a higher ceiling, sure, but Poku has a much longer path to get to that ceiling, whereas I think Dort's ceiling is very attainable, and maybe we're still underselling his ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think he's going to fit in with anyone they bring in. And that's the great thing about the type of players that Sam has brought in so far they can go best player available and not even really have to think twice about it. I mean, I think most teams should go best player available, but I understand when teams are kind of like, well, we have all these guards, like Cleveland, for instance. Like, if you're going to bring in another guard, like Jalen Suggs into Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and even Okoro there, like, you're going to have to make some decision at some point because there's just not going to be enough minutes to go around. Um, But in the case of the Thunder, because of – because so many of these guys have size, it doesn't really matter. They can do whatever mm-hmm. they want. And mm-hmm. we're seeing it now with, you know, Gabriel Deck coming over. I mean, they're just going to start throwing yep. things out there. And yep. a bunch of skilled guys all playing at once and see what happens. And I'm getting more and more excited. I don't think I've talked to you about Deck. I don't think I've talked to you about Deck. Oh, Gabriel, let's break it down. Feelings. Let's break down hey, Gabriel Deck. Hey, before we talk about Gabriel Deck, let's go to the stream. Let's take a quick break. And we're going to talk Gabriel Deck. So let's let's take a look and see who is watching today. We have Trey Brown, who's excited about the six best lottery odds. We have, let's see, people just saying stuff about Dort. Um, <laughs> the Haitian Harden. <laughs> Montreal Mamba. Wow. Uh, let's see. Tell me where you're from, people. This is what this segment is all about. This is all about door from here. Uh, Tyler Field is in Midtown, OKC. We have Jamie Archer in Mexico. We have Chad Scott in Yukon. We have the traveling teacher from Ethiopia. We have Jacob Kearns in Edmond. We have Chris in Tulsa. We have Augusto from the Dortress. 
Oh, gosh, we have a friend from Iceland who I can't read your name. Omar is the only part of that name I can read, but thank you for joining. We have... Uh, we have Hermes from Greece. I remembered your name this time, even though I can't read it. Uh, we have Max uh, Automobile Alley, OKC. We have Wojciech in Poland. We have Zoe in Charleston, South Carolina. We have uh, Alex Gatch, who says he wishes he was in Charleston, South Carolina. We have Dan Mayan in Rhode Island. We have, oh my gosh, we have tons of people in the stream today. Thanks so much for joining. Adve in New Jersey. If I don't see your name, I'm so sorry. Miroslav from Germany. We have, I love this. You guys are talking to each other in here. This is wonderful. This is great. We have Pedro from Brazil. We have VBZ in Piedmont. We have Benjamin hanging out on the door train. We have Giovanni in Houston. We have Michael in Omaha. We have Niner by Nature in Seattle, Washington. Thanks so much for listening from Seattle. Clouds in Belgium. Carpet from New York. Matthew in Missouri. Adam in Pennsylvania. Diego in Brazil. DTD Worldwide, Al. Falk in Denmark. Wow. Blown away. Wow. We also have our friend from Antarctica. Woo! They're really in Antarctica. Unbelievable. DTD actually worldwide we have the tall shot okc from elemental coffee downtown in okc big shouts lawrence field in boston thanks so much for being here with us you guys we will be right back after this quick break and we're back from that quick break alex let's talk gabriel deck aka gabby deck aka turtle aka um tankita yeah um shocking you know did not see coming i you know i think we all assumed that if they were going to bring in guys at the end of the season it would be 10 day guys you know maybe some mm-hmm. more g leaguers are out there something i feel like houston should be doing at this point they have <laughs> one young guy you know what Mid- what are they doing i don't know you know what dj augustine's they could have had the t- they- yeah they could have had tankita yeah they yeah honestly like bring in someone like that they're playing dj augustine like big minutes okay whatever houston yeah. um i'm just excited about what is happening because if okc is going to get back to the mountaintop which we didn't really get to the mountaintop mm-hmm. but we got very close i think they're going to have to take a different route they're going to have to mm-hmm. figure out some. They're going to have to zig while the other those league is zagging, or zag while the league is zigging. They're going to have to do something different because mm-hmm. we've we've talked before about the disadvantages being in a small market. There's some disadvantages that are inherent there. There's also the new lottery odds, which decrease the benefits of tanking a little bit, even though there still are benefits there. Um, and so they're going to have to figure out another route. And it does seem like they have an idea of what they want to do and what they want to be and what kind of system they want to develop. That in and of itself is really exciting because I think for a lot of other teams, it's more like we just hope we nail the lottery and then we'll just build around that player. I mean, take Cleveland, for mm-hmm. instance. Like, what is Cleveland? What's the plan there? It's like, well, we hope that Sexton and Garland work out. And I guess our identity would be like a really strong defensive team, but a lot of our defenders are 
old, guys on a older timeline, um, whether it's like Larry Nance Jr. Or, or guys like that. And so I don't think it's, the path forward is as clear for a lot of other teams in OKC's kind of situation. Whereas with OKC, it seems like they have a very clear idea of what they want this system to be. And that might be the thing that kind of differentiates them from all these other teams and gives them and mm-hmm. gives them some advantages because that's the whole point of this. Like, yes, we can talk about these disadvantages all day, but can you make your own luck in some way? Can you do things that no other team in the league is doing? And I think we can safely say that bringing in someone like Gabriel Deck is not something that anyone else in the league is doing or trying to do at this moment. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And they're just finding guys that fit this mold of play really hard, can play multiple positions, can do lots of different things on the court, good passing. I mean, almost everybody on the team is a good passer for the most part. That's what they're looking for. And Deck fit that. He also helped them get to the salary floor, which is, I, I guess, a goal of theirs. And there, there's there's some stuff floating out there that the only reason that they signed Gabriel Deck to this deal is get to the salary floor. Well, like to me, if if you're if that's the only thing you wanted, you just give Moses Brown like a really big front loaded contract and get get yourself there, right? Like you don't you don't go out of your way to bring in a guy who's playing in Europe and talk him into coming over here and leave his team during like a big run for them. Like you just you just find a way to do it here. Yeah, it, it does seem like it's an unnecessarily big production just if, if that was the only reason. Right. Ex- exactly. It, it is a ton of effort to go <laughs> <Yeah>. through <laughs> to, make, to make that happen. Uh, yeah, you just reward one of your guys if that's the only thing that you wanted to yeah. do. So th- they definitely want to get a look at what Gabriel Deck can do. I don't know when he'll be here. Uh, it's possible maybe he joins the team on Friday in Detroit. I really don't know. I, that's just a complete guess. Uh, but I'm excited to see what he can do. They're just going to, I mean, just like with everybody else on this team, they're just going to throw him out there and see what they can do. I mean, they had Jalen Horde, like they signed him, and they were like, immediately you play. They had Justin Robinson sign him that day. They're like, okay, you're going to play immediately today. So, you know, I'm excited to see him out there. And he he seems like very Kenrich Williams-y to me. And if you can get multiple guys like that on your team, that's that's great. And also, the contract is non-guaranteed moving forward after this season. So they're going to give him more than just these 15 games or whatever it is he's going to play. Uh, but if maybe next season it's like, yeah, this isn't working out, like you can just cut him loose and have no ramifications for it so it's it's a it's a great deal for him and that he gets to make a crap ton of money in comparison to what he was in Europe and gets to try the NBA and see if he's a fit and if he is great and if not whatever and I don't know for whoever listened to the dream team we had a guy on that was reporting on this deal and he said that the Clippers tried to get deck in the offseason when they brought over Batum and they thought they could add another, you know, three, four, you know, guy that plays hard, that makes winning plays. And so he's not just a random guy that the NBA hasn't had a radar for at all. You know, the Clippers, the team that's trying to win the title this year, wanted to bring him in. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And the, the other benefit of this system that they're building is I, I think it makes the roster more interchangeable to where you don't have a situation like we had a few years ago where you have all these stars. You have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Car- Carmel Anthony. But when Andre Robertson gets hurt, the, the, the system is so fragile that it can't withstand a loss of your fourth best player, probably even lower than that, like if you throw in Steven Adams into that as well, where it just everything yeah. falls apart. And all of a sudden they ha- they're having to build from scratch just because Andre Robertson isn't there. And I think this mm-hmm. new system where all of these guys can do so many different things kind of protects you against something like that. Mm. That's a really great point. I hadn't thought of that. You're right. Everything was toast after Robertson went down. Maybe the worst offensive player in the NBA that season. <laughs> right. and, but also maybe the best defensive player. Uh, yeah, everything did completely fall apart. They, they signed Corey Brewer. And remember when Corey got hurt? I, I think it was one of the last games of the season. And he ended up being okay and be able to play in the playoffs. But I remember him, Corey, going out. And you th- and the thought of the fan base was, oh my gosh, how can we survive without Corey Brewer? And we couldn't. <laughs> we couldn't. <laughs> we couldn't with him. But, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, this is... Yeah. But it, going back to this system, it, it is so interesting because when Sam Presti... When we first started learning about Sam Presti, like way back in the day, all you heard was that this guy is from the Spurs system. Like he, he idolizes that Spurs system. He wants to build that Spurs system mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. But then... Through fortunate events, he ended up getting stars that were just so higher wattage than anything San Antonio has ever had. I mean, Tim Duncan yep. is is obviously an all time player, but he is not in like personality wise or in like stardom wise on the level that KD and Ru- Russell Westbrook were. And so, I think we're now finally seeing that dream coming true, like that idea of building Spurs two you know in Oklahoma City yeah. um mm-hmm. and that that gets me really excited because it's the the re, one of the reasons why that works so well for the Spurs is because they were the only ones doing it and so they were getting first yep. dibs on all of these guys that the rest of the league just wasn't paying attention to and through that mm-hmm. they were able to find all these diamonds in the rough that the rest of the league would have never looked at and as a result they were way better than they probably should have been during that time given like mm-hmm. where those first round picks were you know no doubt, no doubt, and they've they're getting they're they have a ton of international players on their team already, and they're looking for more, and perhaps that and you you brought this up in our text thread like perhaps that is a strategy that you take, uh, because I would I'd be a little floored if Jokic left Denver right, um you know Dirk never left Dallas I think that there is something. European players are just wired differently when it comes to glamour markets and stuff like that. And not not all of them are, but it seems like a lot of them are, though. And so maybe if you strike gold with one of these guys, whether it's Maladon or like Dortz is an international player, uh, Pokushevsky, so any of those guys, if you strike gold with any of those guys, perhaps you have a better chance to get them to stay because... It, it does seem like the American players understand like LA and New York and those places to just be better places for them to be. And I don't, 
I'm not saying that it's it's not. Po- I mean, it's certainly possible that Poku becomes a star and then is like, yeah, I want to go play for the Lakers. Yeah, you know, like that's certainly possible. But um, you just wonder if that's if if that is any part of the thinking, or if it's just, hey, we're we saw what Denver did, and we are going to scout internationally better than anybody else. And I think the Thunder are doing... Obviously, the Thunder have done that. You look at the roster, they have done a very good job scouting internationally. And you just wonder if if that's a part of the strategy too. Just like, we're going to do this better than everybody else. Not everybody is willing to put in the work to to go watch these guys play, to get to know them, to do all the, do all the things you need to do. And we, are, we will be willing, and we will make that happen. Uh, to me, that, that's kind of what it looks like with this team. And that's why this upcoming draft is going to be so interesting. Outside of whatever that top pick ends up being or where it ends up landing. But I'm really interested to see, you know, what what if they don't get the Houston pick and they end up at 17 and 32? Mm-hmm. Who, who are they taking with those picks? What kind of players are they targeting? Because um, we've talked about the from the outsider's perspective, the shift in who Sam Presti seems to be targeting in the draft. And it'll just be interesting to see it happen in this draft. By the way, Andrew, I was looking at the Ringer's updated lottery odds. Mm -hmm. The Thunder's chance of having at least one top five pick, 77%. That's a percentage that makes me feel comfortable. The next closest, the Orlando Magic, because the Bulls have been so bad. So now that pick is, is like a more realistic lottery pick. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for Bulls fans. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I feel bad for Bulls fans. I don't feel bad for the Bulls. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> bad for the Bulls at all. <laughs> but if you make this move and you're just, it's just ends up being a lateral move. You're just like, oh no, it, <laughs> what have we done? And it completely changes the Magic's future. I mean, the Magic, if they just stay where they are right now, which I think they're in third. And they could get something like the third pick and the tenth pick. Incredible! Like that's yeah. And you just add that to the young guys you already have. And like Wendell Carter's looked pretty good. Uh, I don't know about that. He's on my fantasy team. I've been disappointed. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to break he's out some, forever. He's had some. He's had. He's had some moments though. He's had some moments, but he's always had some moments. I want him to be consistent. Yeah. <laughs> I need ten rebounds a game <laughs> from him, Andrew. Oh, I don't think you're getting that. You uh, you could have could have had it from Cantor, man. Cantor's up there gobbling boards. Yeah, he is gobbling boards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's take a look at Tankathon real quick. Let's see let's see exactly where we're at uh, for OKC. So we have the Thunder sitting just firmly in the sixth spot. Well, not firmly. They're sitting in the sixth spot. Uh, you have Washington and Toronto at seven and eight. God, Toronto, man! Like they just can't, they just can't get it together. You just, I just want them to just get some, some healthy space between the Thunder and the Toronto Raptors, right? I mean, they, they lost to that Hawks team last night. I mentioned that earlier. They really didn't have much of a chance in the game. Malachi Flynn just went off at the end of the game, and it looked close, but it really wasn't that close. Then you had the, the Raptors had a chance. I think they were on like a two-on-one fast break. Lowry throws it to Pascal. This is against the Knicks. Pascal Siakam double dribbles. Oh, yeah. Turns the yeah, ball over. Games, game is over. I mean, just these 
I mean, if you're a, a Raptors fan, one, you, I mean, you just have to be beating your head against the wall this whole season. Like, it's just been misery. They're 21 and 34, and they have, they don't have a 21 and 34 roster. Like, they should be closer to 500. Yeah, I mean, it, and and on the flip side, at some point, as a Toronto fan, you're probably like, if we're going to be this bad, like, let's just be bad for this season. But yes. they've just kind of been hovering in that like seven to 10 range, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really where you want to be. And they have the fifth hardest remaining schedule I was just looking at. So yes, I'm, I'm worried about Toronto. They, Fred Van Vliet is still out. I'm hoping if he can come back soon that they'll be able to pick up a couple wins here or there. But yeah, they are, they are more concerning to me than, than Washington, who I think Washington has proven themselves to like at least get up for these big games. They they beat the Warriors on that crazy four point play from Bradley Beal. Uh, I think it was last yes. Friday. And I just have faith that Washington, if Beal and Westbrook are healthy, are going to win enough games to stay above the Thunder. Yeah, Washington. They're they're not good still, but they're five and five in their last ten. And that's that's good enough, right? Like that's good enough to like steer clear of the Thunder, who have the Thunder have the longest losing streak in the NBA right now, tied with Sacramento, which is just another like really depressing statement uh, because the Kings should not be this bad. Uh, But they've lost seven in a row, easily their longest win losing streak feels like a winning streak, losing streak of the season, and yeah, I'm just. It's, it finally feels like they're settling into where they need to be. Uh, how, how long do you think this losing streak goes, Alex? Does it stop at that seven? Does it stop at eight? I, I definitely have the sense that they're going to win one of one within this next stretch of games. Um, which yeah, which game is it? I don't know. I guess I would go. I don't think they'll beat the Warriors. Um, the Warriors are playing a little better right now. Um, James Wiseman's out for the rest of the season, which I actually think might help the Warriors just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's been more focus on just letting Steph be Steph and not necessarily trying to develop James Wiseman every single game. So I actually think the Warriors probably will win tonight. But yeah, one of those Detroit, Toronto, Washington, even Indiana, Washington games. I mean, they could easily they could win three of those games, and it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I Which know. is terrifying. <laughs> oh, those games are all on the road. I think they. It is a uh, a huge blessing to the uh, the tanking community that the Toronto Washington is back is a back to back, right? Yeah, yeah, that helps <laughs> like, a little. Like the Wizards, at least feels like a schedule loss because <laughs> it's your third game in four nights and back to back. It's like okay. Maybe we can hand hand because that those these games, especially Toronto and Washington, are like doubly important. Because if you beat Washington, you're gonna flip flop with them in the standings, yeah. right? Same thing with Toronto. You just you have to lose. Those are games. Those are like must. I've no. I don't know if I've ever said this statement, but those are must lose games. Well, and it makes you think about if Shea was healthy, and if like if they were trying to win. Mm-hmm. You look at this schedule to end the season, and we've talked about it before. At the very end of the season, they get three games against the Kings. Like, yep. they could 
do they could be much better than 500 in this final stretch if they were playing all their guys because this is not a difficult stretch no i mean if they're playing horford and muscala and sga yeah like like yeah they might be 500 the rest of the way yeah so it's it's all it's getting dicey we'll see i mean i i was not worried at all until last night's game and i that probably shouldn't make me that worried because it's like I don't want to say a once-in-a-lifetime game, but it's certainly like once-in-a-season game from Lou Dort hitting seven threes in a yeah, game. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not worried because I, the game never felt like the Thunder were going to actually do something. Well, it did in the first quarter when they were up like 18. I'm never worried about first quarter stuff <laughs> with this team. They're, they play they play too many young guys. They play too many inexperienced guys for them to hold on to that. And especially against a team like Utah. Yeah. And I think some some of that's like, all right, well, we're playing a SGA list Thunder. Great. Let's just go out. Let's roll the ball out and we'll win. And then Dort goes off like, oh, okay. And the second half like, okay, we have to play. And then they beat them in the third quarter, thirty three to sixteen. And like, and then. The game was over. Yeah. And yes, they, the Thunder made it this late run that made the game look a lot closer than it really was. And it was actually like pretty entertaining to watch. But I, it, to me, it's if if that game, I don't know. I, to, to me, they, there was just never really a question of what was going to happen in that game. Like I, The Jazz are too good to, to let that team beat them. Now... Now maybe I mean Washington is definitely not too good, um, but I don't know if they get off to that kind of hot start. And here's where the play-in does help the Thunder: is that there's going to be some teams that want to get to the play-in. Golden State's one of them. The Thunder played Golden State three times. Yeah. In this last stretch, uh, they would de- they definitely want to get to the play-in. Um, I still think Toronto and Washington are still within striking distance of the play-in. I think they want to get there, certainly. You have Philly and Boston who are still trying to kind of prove themselves. Like, the Thunder really don't stand a chance against Philly. Boston has a ton of ground to make up to get to where they want to go. And so, like, that's good. Indiana still wants to be in the mix. Uh, The Pelicans have a chance at the play-in. They play Indiana again. They play Phoenix. Phoenix should, should wallop them. I don't... The only one that I question, here's the the ones that I question are Sacramento, who they play three times in the last two weeks of the season. And then you have the last two games, Utah and the Clippers. And the question with those is like, who plays? Like, do they play everybody in yeah, those games? Yeah, do they care at that point? Um, do the, and also, do the Thunder play everybody in those games too? Because I, there there's certainly a thing, and I think Shea will be evaluated in the next few days again that's that's when he's set to be evaluated was the middle of april and that is now uh and if if to me if they say wow you look great let's go he'll probably play if they say you need two more weeks i think that i think they should shut him down yeah i think it should be completely over because we saw what happened to jamal murray and Imagine if that happened to Shea. Like if Shea tore his ACL against the Kings on May 4th. Yeah, that's, that sets Star you back Wars a year Day. in terms of your yeah. team's development. You don't, you, you don't do it. You don't do it. You just don't. It, you, the question is just for what? 
And if people are like, wow, the Thunder are just doing this so they can tank, they're also doing it to preserve Shea Gilders Alexander's career. Yeah. Because we're seeing, like, this season, because the, there are so many games. Go look at the schedule. They have one more two-day gap between games. One more until May 16th. They go a whole month without having a two-day break. An entire month. Like, that's crazy. I get a two-day break every week. It's pretty good. They don't get it, and I don't even have to do it. I'm, I'm just sitting here. Those guys don't. They're on an airplane. They play three more games at home this month. They have half the month left. They play three at home. They are traveling like crazy. They go to Detroit, to uh, Tampa. They go to Washington. They go to Indiana, back to OKC. They go to Philly. They go to Boston, back to OKC. That's the rest of this month. Like That's crazy. To me, I just wouldn't even subject Shea to it. I wouldn't. I, to me, it's not, it's not worth it. One, on the tanking side, as, a, as someone who wants them to tank, yes, please don't play Shea. But also, as somebody who values Shea and thinks he's the future of this franchise, don't play him! Don't do it! Yeah. It's not worth it. And the it. injury that he has, plantar fasciitis, I mean, that is like a notoriously difficult to treat, difficult to gauge when a person should come back. I remember when Joe Kim Noah had mm-hmm. plantar fasciitis, and it was just like, Yep. They could never figure out like when is the best time to come back because all it takes is like one little tweak and you're kind of set back a couple weeks. So yeah, I'm fine with letting him rest, especially if he if one of his goals this summer is to play with Team Canada. Like get him a hundred percent for that if that's super important to him. Um, because I yep. just don't know what is left for him to prove this season. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this roster who do have things to prove, especially as you and Mikey talked about looking ahead at the guys they're going to be bringing from the draft, maybe bringing in some international players. These guys on the roster right now are trying to prove that they belong to be on this roster for next season. A lot of these guys have non-guaranteed deals or are easily movable. So there's plenty reason. There's plenty of guys who need playing time right now outside of Shea. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. The, the one question I did have, I was looking back at their schedule so the first game of the season against Houston and then the Sixers game, they got postponed. Are those getting made up or have they been made up? And I didn't realize it. The Philly game, the Philly game on Saturday was the oh, okay. game. And then what about the Houston game? Mm-hmm. I believe that's already been done. Okay. <laughs> I, was just, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure that we didn't have to play Houston again. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They don't. I, th- I think that was um, the 21st of March was when they made okay. that up. Yeah, no worries Phew. about that at all. Yeah, and you mentioned inter- international players. Like, Deck is certainly a guy, too, that will come over, and I think there will be guys on this team, like a Josh Hall. Like, Josh Hall's looking over at him like, oh, gosh, he's probably taking my spot. Right. <laughs> and so, like, they need to play Josh Hall, and they need to see what he's got. And so I wouldn't be surprised. He only saw 15 minutes from last night, but there may be a few games in here where he gets 25 it- minutes. Just to say, okay, what is And what honestly, is this is why guys fall through the cracks. Because the team they're on is more focused on playing the veterans and the established players and not giving those guys mm-hmm. at the end of the bench a real shot in the NBA. And so they never really see what they do in, in game, real gameplay. And so they end up cutting them. They go to another team, all of a sudden become like Robert Covington or whatever other player you want to bring up, Hassan Whiteside. You know, all these guys who are at the end of a roster – 
didn't really get a lot of playing time at their first stop. And then all of a sudden, Moses Malone played six minutes, as we discussed last week on Slam and Jam. And then all of a sudden become really good players in another situation. So I think there's a lot of value in giving those guys a lot of run at the end of the season. Just to, just to make sure. Make sure. Like, is there something here? You don't really know just from mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about D'Anthony Melton, who's on the yeah. Grizzlies. Who's been awesome for them. He was just given away. Chris Middleton. Oh, man, the, yeah. A lot of people don't remember. Detroit had Chris just Middleton. Threw him in. They just threw him into a trade because they didn't know what he yeah. was. Can you imagine? It happened with Tobias Harris, too. That's, when, he, when, he, when he got traded. with Tobias Harris? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, yes. They just gave him to Orlando. Yeah, it's I couldn't remember which way that trade went. If it was Orlando sending him to the Bucks, there were so many Bucks Orlando trades because like JJ Redick was back then. Yes, it was JJ Redick to the Bucks for Tobias okay. Harris, okay. and it was it was like the rental of JJ yeah, Redick yeah, yeah. is what it was. They rented him for the rest of the season, and the price they paid was Tobias Harris. Max player Tobias Harris. Max, maybe maybe it was a good thing. <laughs> ultimately. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, there was a report about Micic and his agent saying that there's nothing. He was actually like seemed angry about the reports. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Like that deal is not done. It has not been signed. And until it's signed, it's really nothing to worry about one way or the other. I believe they can negotiate um, during free agency or. Or perhaps I actually don't even know when they can negotiate. Perhaps it's after um, the 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 Mitch's season, but um, that deal's not done. So we will we will move forward as if he's not on the team until we know he's going to be on the team. Yeah, and I think so. If you saw that quote I posted on Twitter from an interview he gave last November, he said basically, "I don't really care about going to the NBA. Like that's not one of my dreams. If I go there, it's going to be because." I'm going to a really good system and I'm going to have like a, a guaranteed role. Um, so from his perspective, he might be looking at this like, let me see what the Thunder do in the draft this summer. Let me see who they bring in. Is there actually going to be a spot for me on this team? Is it worth uprooting my life, moving to Oklahoma City to only get, you know, 10 minutes a game? Or can the Thunder tell yeah. him, no, you're going to be like a key part of our rotation. Here's what, how many minutes you're going to play, all that, that convinces him to come over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no clue. To me, it's made no sense from the beginning. <laughs> uh, I was, I've been a little, I've always been like, huh, about it. But who knows? Who knows what the plan is? <clears throat> I don't know what the plan is. Uh, I still think the plan is largely based around Shea and the draft. Like, to me, that's the plan that makes way more sense. When you throw Mitchich in there, it's like, what? What are they? What's going on here? So not done. We probably really won't even talk about him until there's actual news about him again. So um, just a little housekeeping note there. I uh, hope you guys have a great, great day. Uh, the, the Raptors have announced that Kyle Lauer, Gary Trent, and Fred Van Vliet are all outing in no. San Antonio. Tonight, so. No! Come on. Come on, Raptors. We need you. We need you, Raptors. Uh, thanks so much for listening if you have been following along we've had maybe more people here on the stream than we've had ever so thanks for joining in we really appreciate it we have uh, Brian in Singapore we have Hoops Talk 69 
on the moon, as always. Um, love the chat. Love that you guys are talking to each other in the chat. Love it. Uh, Andrew from Tulsa. We have Synths um, from uh, DK. We have that Poku card. It's a beautiful Poku card. We have Christian from South London. Uh, man. Oh, we have Paul Chi in Jamaica. Love that. We have Asbjorn in Denmark. Thank you so much. We have Cal Tran who says, Slam a jam a slam, Slandrew. Uh, Brody in Tulsa. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening and for joining in. We have White Black from Morocco. What is up? You guys are the best. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, make sure you listen to our Saturday Slam a jam show. We're talking Warriors this week. Alan. Yeah. Should be very should be very fun. I think I've got Ethan Strauss locked in for the Woo. pod. So that should be an all-timer. Also listen to the uh, listen to the Daily Ding. You can listen to me today on the Daily Ding with Motokil, but listen to me on the Daily Ding tomorrow. Subscribe to the channel. I've got a very special guest that I'm very excited about uh, on that. So go to uh, you can search NBA Daily Ding on your podcast catcher. Subscribe. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Oh, Andy Clegg.